Hello, this is Joel the Geek from the Pacific Northwest, and I'm here with... I'm Nina, and I'm currently sipping on brandy because during the pandemic, I've been binge-watching Frasier. Which is true! That is so true. That is so very true. Broadcasting from the crossroads of fandom. Bringing you news and entertainment and stories that make us nerds. This This is Northwest Northwest Nerd. (laughs) And hi there, I am pop culture journalist Dyer Oxley. In this episode of Northwest Nerd, we have an interview with Jim Starlin, creator of quite a lot of Marvel characters, but this week we only care about Shang-Chi, whose film just came out within the past week of this recording. So I talk with Jim about a few things. Uh, We cover some Shang-Chi background, his thoughts about where this character could be placed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe moving forward. And of course, we're also going to talk about the film itself, maybe provide some reviews and our thoughts. And when I say our, to help with all of this, I'm bringing in on this episode, Joel the Geek. Hello, Joel. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing swell. And I'm also bringing in my wife, Nina, who saw the film with me. Hello. And we have all seen this film. Yes. Yes. Yes, it's more amazing. More than once. I've seen it more than once. Joel is putting us to shame. He's seen it twice. <laughs> um, I've, I feel like I've seen the film twice, actually, because I oh. saw it once in the theater. But I've also seen it reinterpreted through Nina doing like <laughs> kung fu to my face. Oh, no. Yeah. Nina, we, like, we were in the car and she's like. Whoosh, Social distancing, whoosh. Nina. Come on. Yeah, it was in um, the car. Come on, focus on the road. That's it, that's what I said. <laughs> I need to focus on the road. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're going to we're going to cover a lot of that. A uh, couple things right up front here. I'm recording in my apartment at my breakfast nook. I have never had this many people in my apartment in North quote unquote Northwest Nerd Studios to record on oh, one episode, that's amazing. and that's partially because I need to I need to hit pause here, Joel. You are, Nina's and I, Uh-oh. very first guest <gasps> ever right. at yes. our apartment. The first person, some people have like dropped by, like to drop things off uh-huh. or whatever, but we moved in this apartment and then this global pandemic thing uh, happened. If you need more information about that, I could tell you about it in a second. Um, no, I'm good. Yeah. So you're actually the first person to come here and actually hang out, sit at the table and all that. So congratulations. Yay. Thank you, Joel. This is, uh, this is an honor for us. And to help commemorate the situation, I have a... <gasps> I got a present? Northwest oh, yeah. Nerd. Oh, my goodness. Uh, good I got bag. A you can tell bag. because I put a Northwest Nerd sticker it's on this official. paper bag. That's right. So in this Northwest Nerd bag uh, is some stuff, but I'm hoping that you can open it for me and I'm going to film you. <laughs> I might put this on the internet. Can I put this on the interwebs? Are you of prepared? Course. Okay. I didn't that. tell you I was going to be doing <laughs> it's this. It's better to be like unprepared because then it's more realistic and authentic. For everybody listening at home, don't look, look don't look in it just yet. Okay. Uh, everybody listening at home, uh, just, go to like our, just go to our Facebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, go to our Facebook. I'll just, I'll just speed through this stuff a little bit later, but okay. So, welcome... Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit through and speed through all this uh, in the podcast later. If you want to see the full video, go ahead on our Facebook page. I gave Joel a collection of Northwest Nerd stickers and buttons. We put an energy drink in there that we randomly have, some whiskey I aged, and a candle that I made, a peppermint candle that I put inside an old Murray Super Light pomade. 
10. So now that we have that over, thank you. Thank you for being the first, first house guest <laughs> slash guest on Northwest Nerd. <laughs> In Northwest Nerd Studios. Now that that is over, let's roll into our interview with Jim Starlin, after which we are going to be back to talk about Shang-Chi. With me is Jim Starlin and Jamie Jameson. You guys are kind of a creative team these days, especially over the last year. Can you bring me through a little bit what exactly you have cooking? We worked together on a book called Dread Star Returns, a graphic novel of the return of, strangely enough, a character named Dread Star. Yeah. Uh, I worked on it in uh, New York State, upstate New York. Uh, Jamie inked it here in uh, the west Co- on the west coast in L.A., where she also contracted uh, COVID-19 not once but twice during the job. Ouch. Uh, so this has really been our pandemic book, uh, and we're found we can sort of tolerate each other. So we're working on another book together. When, when, when you say that though, you did this kind of over the pandemic. A lot of people took on a lot of creative endeavors. A lot of collectors refound things they haven't been collecting for years. It seems like you guys just went right back into comic books again. Because I know that there's also this side story you've talked about previously. You hurt your hands. And Jamie kind of helped you even get back into... Harassed doing, me into getting harassed back you into, into getting into it. Oh, we met a while before that. I am obsessed with Doctor Doom. Okay. And but beforehand, we should tell how... Oh, yes, that I, Why I wasn't drawing is I blew a big hole in my drawing hand. Uh, as you on the podcast can all see, <laughs> uh, it's right between my thumb and forefinger. It was about an inch deep. And, uh, and so I gave up drawing. And fingers in my ears when you tell about the hole in your hand. Yeah. Uh, so for about three years, I didn't draw because I was busy squeezing rubber balls and doing other hand exercises. Getting it back up to speed, essentially. Uh, so I could button my shirt. Oh, ouch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and basically, yeah, I'd sort of written off uh, drawing and I became a writer full time. And then this one came along. And, and forced uh, you to draw Doctor Doom. Well, I really wanted a Doctor Doom by Jim Starlin. Not what a is Thanos. It about I Doom? love Doctor. What is there not to love about Doctor Doom? My cat's name is Victor Von Doom. Okay. I love Doom. Alrighty. So and seeing it wasn't Thanos, I tried to blow her off right off. He was okay, very I was about insulted. to say out of Thanos with Dark Side, all these other. Okay. He was very insulted, and I started making a wooden gauntlet, and I was like, "Well, you can have this one if I can have a Doctor Doom," and uh, still have yet to put on the final pieces of that gauntlet, but I did eventually get okay. my Doctor Doom. I sat down one night after a convention and in the room drew the the Doctor Doom sketches she wanted. And this was like two years ago at this point. And um, we've been working together ever since then and I'm still waiting for the gauntlet that she <laughs> promised as a trade. She See, but it's on the record now. Oh, so. but see, it's our art dealer's fault. He lost a special stone that I had cut for the yellow stone that goes in the center of the very large stone. Okay. So I'm still waiting for our art dealer to find the stone that I have that made. Sounds kind of like an excuse. Sounds kind of like an excuse, doesn't oh, it? Oh, well, I'm just going to yeah. pull Spencer see, on the show. It's not even me who says that. <laughs> That's a much more advanced version of the dog ate my homework. Oh, and well. I'm sorry, I don't mean to pick on you. <laughs> hey, I, at least he's got some stuff inked. <laughs> I'm going to jump away from comic books really quick because I just want to make sure I get this question in. I uh, usually prepare for interviews and so forth, so I stalked or I went through your Instagram. Mm-hmm. You met Buzz from the Mel- Melvins. Oh, Buzz is my buddy. 
Buzz is your buddy? Buzz is my buddy. I'm a musician background, so I've been playing music for forever. And uh, folks here, we're in the nerd niche. We're going to know you as an inker. What exactly is this music background? How does that bring you into the sphere of Buzz? We're Mm. in the Northwest. The Melvins is... Kind okay, well, thing. I'm a New yeah. Orleans girl where okay. metal is prevalent, and we love our metal. And okay. um, I, the Melvins is one of my favorite bands, along with the Pixies. And yes. uh, yep. the Pixies are what made me decide I wanted to pick up a guitar. And I've had, like, um, if people are listening and want to check out, um, I have a band called Marine Snow that's on Spotify and whatever. And then uh, my solo stuff is just James Jameson on SoundCloud, which is more dark and dancey. And oh. so, like, but my favorite was always this metal and uh, Buzz come, he loves comic books and old school like uh, yeah. all the old school stuff so he'd come into conventions but I, we have our, our friends we have all these mutual friends and just have met each other through going to his shows and we've hung out I've had some beer just, okay. he's cool and if Buzz if you're listening I can't wait to see you at another con so I want to bring us back around to the comic books again. Jim, you have a little bit of a unique perspective, I think, on the modern era of comic books just because... I'm ancient. <laughs> no. I just sipped some sparkling water and that almost choked it me. It makes it extra potent, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a hand in either creating or co-creating or your fingerprints are all over the characters that are now dominating cinema right now. It almost seems like you have a very unique perspective because you watch them upon creation. Thanos, Darkseid... Uh, much of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm going to ask about Shang-Chi in a, in a minute here, but it, what exactly has this been for you over the last decade or so? Surreal. Is it surreal? Yeah, I mean, it's very flattering. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's an ego boost to see these things up on the screen. Uh, there's some financial rewards to be gained. Um, you have to keep an eye on your head not going and inflating to a yeah. massive proportions, which... I help with that. Yeah, she helps yeah. with that regularly. By, or else a um, podcaster comes around and wants to, you know, yeah. pick your brain about all these great <laughs> characters that you've created. Yeah, but the reality is it's the luck of the draw. Uh, yeah. Marvel also had a character called the Sphinx, who was a big space guy. Yeah. It could have just as easily been the Sphinx as it was Thanos. Yeah. Um, it could have been uh, Star... Uh, uh, Starfire or one of the other space characters rather than Drax. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I just got born at the right time, uh, had the right Jace yeah. going on. or you know, So uh, I enjoy it. I'm going for the ride, uh, <laughs> having fun. And, uh, you know, don't take it too seriously because my 15 minutes of fame, as Andy Horrorhall predicted, yeah. is a mix. Ended out a little Your bit, 15 so minutes are going a few decades long at this yeah, point, I, I gotta say. I've been say. pretty lucky. It's a nice ride, and I'm going to keep enjoying it. You did mention, hey, you know, maybe there's some of that financial stuff out there. I mean, a lot of comic book fans are aware there is some friction sometimes between the company and the creators. Is that essentially what you're commenting on here? Um, Marvel Studios were very generous with me on the yeah. Infinity War and, uh, and Endgame. Uh, Let's see how it goes with uh, Shang-Chi now. Uh, yeah. I hope they don't backslide. Well, let me ask you about that, actually, because uh, we're talking about kind of movies and the characters. There's almost like two comic book fans that we have in this uh, modern era, as I say. You have a lot of folks that are familiar with the comics, but then you have folks kind of like my wife, who is now enjoying them with me through the film. And it's like that's their entry point to it. So if you were to give that group of people like the primer, on this upcoming character. I think that's coming out in September on film. Yeah. I mean, what, what is your kind of like elevator 
pitch, like, this is who this person is. Okay, well, uh, Jack Kirby uh, once always used to give a tagline to his characters and said, uh, Hulk was stupidity. The harder you beat on it, the stronger it becomes. Yeah. Uh, Shang-Chi is a parental uh, rebellion uh, in the martial arts uh, genre, basically. That's uh, what it's about, is rebelling against the, the parents' way. In a, in a very dark way. I, I'm hoping they lighten it up for what we did yeah. in the first book. <laughs> well, when you initially brought this character out, it was in the 1970s, correct? Now, during that time, I don't think a lot of folks know, as cinephiles know, there was a huge martial arts film bomb that was going off at the time. Hmm. Bruce Lee kind of really laid the foundation for that. Bruce Lee, Kung Fu TV series, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, was that basically kind of what you were working with at that time? To I lived on 44th Street between uh, 8th and 9th, and over on 42nd Street between... Uh, Eighth and seventh was Time nothing but square. kung fu movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anytime, any time of the week, I would walk through there. There'd be somebody jumping around in a gi. So uh, <laughs> going to these movies, going into the movies or being outside, you know. Yeah. And uh, they had uh, later on, they had a studio down by uh, Madison Square Garden where they had martial arts competitions yeah. all the time. So. It, Sometimes I would get on the train and I would be surrounded by them. Was all this kind of bleeding into your creative Well, basically, the time, to or? begin with, uh, Steve Englehart, who was the co-creator on Shang-Chi, uh, and I were big fans of the Kung Fu TV series mm -hmm. and wanted to do that over at uh, DC, but DC and their infinite wisdom decided that this whole Kung Fu craze, martial arts craze, was not going to last. Yeah. So they yeah. decided to do a pirate book instead. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Uh, and, uh, you know, so we went over to Marvel, and Marvel said, create something, and that's where we went from there. Okay, and Bruce Lee probably was, I mean, I'm just assuming a pretty good influence for this character as well. At least there was no I getting around Bruce Lee. I mean, really, I remember yeah. him from the Green Hornet and uh, other things beforehand. Right. Uh, a Philip Marlowe uh, movie, uh, he showed up in one with James Gardner. Oh, wow. I was just, wow, look at this guy. The one last question I wanted to ask about this specific character, I heard another interview with you, and I haven't been able to shake this answer you gave. Marvel Universe right now, at least on film, is kind of missing a moral center, is the way that you put it, like this, the, kind of that moral core with Captain America gone. And you said that you felt that Shang-Chi could be that. Could you open that up? What, what exactly did you mean by that? Well, Shang-Chi... In the comics, I, you know, I haven't seen where they're going with him in the movies, but it looks like it's a similar place. He was a dark character, he was an assassin. Right. Who rebels against the dark ways that he has been ingrained into him all his life. And if you take the, the, the more, the, the more life-affirming aspects of any kind of martial arts training, it could make him a very moral leader. Now, since I made that a statement originally, they've done things with uh, the Falcon, which makes it look yeah. like he's leading up to be Captain America and could take that role. Right. But, you know, might be interesting to see a competition for moral center of the Marvel Universe between Captain America and Shang-Chi. Moving back to Dreadstar, which we started talking about when we first started talking here, what can folks expect from that? I, I, I'm going to admit, 
I'm Dreadstar Ignorant. Of all the characters you've made, I'm probably not as up-to-date on that one. Reading the backstory, though, I'm pretty excited about the kind of the genre you're working with here. Well, it's science fiction. Sci-fi. Uh, is there a little fantasy in there, though? Fantasy, yeah. a little comedy, like a little bit of comedy, a lot of realism as a well. Political humor. Yeah, realism yeah. with political yeah. issues that we've all faced this past uh, during the pandemic. Was this cathartic for you, in a way? Yes. Because this is a very unique time that you guys are putting yes. together this book. As uh, he mentioned, I had COVID twice. The thing he didn't mention was the first time I had it, they, the government knew that it was happening and didn't let us know. So I blame a certain somebody okay. for me getting it the first time. And then the second time, we still didn't exactly know it was when we were first finding out and it almost killed me. So, so she got a real personal reason. I've for got being personal reasons. Did you? Politician. Did well, you we've get had other the, reasons too, but yeah, this was the final Wink, story. wink. Yeah. Wink, I'm, wink. I'm, I'm guessing the undertones here is you got two different variants, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you got it twice. I had the Asian version first and then probably the European that almost killed me. Okay. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. So, and me, I just didn't like this politician because he used one of my characters <laughs> in his political ads. Oh, and I really? figured that made him oh, fair game. Oh, that's right. I know exactly so what you're talking the about. Between two of us, I think it was kind of a no-brainer to put his head on stake. Okay. All righty. So is this something that I don't want to even say undertones at this point because you're kind of more directly saying it at this point. Mm-hmm. But is this something to keep an eye out for in the uh, books that are coming up? Maybe some themes or an actual character? I don't think he's important enough to continue on with myself. No, no, no. I know. I noticed that we're not dropping the name, and I'm totally cool with that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. well, I don't like mentioning his name anymore. Yeah, it's kind of like Voldemort. I actually yeah. have never used <laughs> the word president within a name if I don't appreciate yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, and, you know, besides, it was a very little part of the story. Okay. Uh, the main part of our uh, Dread Star Returns is a, a cosmic, unrequited love story. Exactly. Okay, well, see, I'm not expecting that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, this is more like an episode of The Simpsons where at the beginning <laughs> Bart's caught doing some graffiti, but the main story is Homer blowing up the, la- uh, the power plant. <laughs> so, okay. You know, is uh, the power plant essentially the Milky Way galaxy, or...? Um, well, oh, this is cosmic. Yeah, this is cosmic, cosmic. cosmic so proportions. Yeah. Okay. All righty. And it's, you know, it's, it goes off into a direction that no one will suspect. <laughs> so like I said, I was totally forward with my ignorance on this. Is there a timeline on this that we could be looking for? Is this already It's out? 20 years in the future. We're kind From of where we left the book off 20 years back. So okay. you'll find out if you haven't read the past books, you're not going to be, you can pick up the new book and still okay. catch up and kind of understand because it's, it's for new readers as well as the older readers, like the people that read the original Dread Star. So this is, not a, this is not a reboot reintroduction. This is continuing on with where we, we left off. I right. like that. We, we covered it. There's a little uh, thing at the two pages at the beginning, you know, giving the synopsis on right. the characters along with the picture. But uh, intentionally wanted to write it so that you could come in not knowing who he was. And from what I've been told from people who came in and have not read it, they haven't really enjoyed the story without having all the 1,500 pages of backstory that the character had before. But we're nerds, so we probably will. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if we're the totally other 1,500 pages is available yeah. in the omnibus. But, yeah. There you go. So I went into that interview with Jim Starlin that was recorded at SummerCon, the first SummerCon, because apparently they did a SummerCon again after that. Uh, I chatted with him down there in Puyallup. I had really no uh, experience with the character before. This I was very ignorant of this corner of the Marvel universe. 
Um, and since then, all these pronunciation guides had come out prior to the film. And uh, for all of us out there that were just English speakers going Shang-Chi, now know that it's Shang-Chi. Um, so that's the proper pronunciation. That's probably why you heard us say that. Though Jim does say Shang-Chi, which probably sounds like somebody from New York trying to recreate martial arts films in a comic book. Um, before we get into a little bit of what he said, I actually kind of want to pick your brain, Joel, because you actually have the Dread Star comic that he was talking about. Yes, I have both the first volume, which has the original Dread Star, as well as some of the newer stuff. Yeah. And then the second one, Dread Star, my brain's blinking, is it Dread Star Returns? Yes. Dread Star Returns. I have both of those that I got on the Kickstarter. I'm probably a quarter of the way through the first volume because it's just so much i was saying earlier it's just so much there's a lot of like story plot theory philosophy and then the art itself is amazing um but it's a it's an interesting character it it's not your normal superhero it's it's like medieval culture yeah. as a sci-fi in space it's more than just a medieval culture it's like enlightenment culture as well yeah in the way he presents stuff, it's got a little hints of Dune, which is coming out soon. If you haven't read any yeah. Dune, like it really brought me Dune back has to a Dune. lot of yeah, that's a good um, point. The idea of like the few fe this feudal world that has this different caste systems, and he's in one caste system, and all the things that are going on in the world around him, and it's just a it's a different take on a character that's supposed to be. I wouldn't say he's an antihero. I'd say he's a on his own team hero a lone kind of hero mm. like someone who's a lone hero but not like not like the tv show the hulk kind of guy where he's wandering the earth or trying to do good for making up for what he was, did bad but it's a different take on a character almost like i would have to say it's a little like the original star lord just well i mean it was the 70s when he first created the right. character and so it's very gets gets a little into like like I wouldn't say psychedelic, but just very out there, like philosophy kind of stuff. So I, I'm I'm glad that you kind of said a few of those things there, like original Star Lord, for example, because the original Star Lord was very different than what we have today. Um, I wanted you to be on this podcast for a few reasons, but one of them was you're a little bit more comic book literate than I am on a lot of things. And when we're talking about the character in this film that we're talking about in this episode. I was um, hoping I can rely on some of that uh, expertise and background. Before we jump into things, which are going to include spoilers and stuff, I want to have a little bit of a spoiler-free talk. Uh, Nina, Joel, myself, let's just really quick, simply put, what is your review of the film? Nina, let's start with you. Is this with the nerd rating? Yes, we could do the nerd rating. Can I, I do got mine full prepared. Nerd? You're going full nerd. I'm on it? going full nerd. Okay, Nina's full nerd. N E R D. That's like four out of four stars. Oh, okay. Now, what? Now, why did you give it that rating? I love this film, and I am Asian American. We're seeing this flux of more diversity on screen, and definitely growing up, I never saw that. And so, watching Crazy Rich Asians, which kickstarted all this it was very emotional for me just being able to see people that I could relate to and like the stories of just growing up being like yeah that's something I went through too and so for me it was very exciting watching this film and I just want it to do good I'm super stoked 
Okay, Joel. I would give it a full nerd, I think, too. You're going full nerd, four yeah. out of four stars. I would give it four out of four stars because it's showing a part of the Marvel comic books to people, the general populace that wouldn't have seen it otherwise. I think that's one of the things. And they did a great job of updating it, as we're probably going to talk about later, the background of this character. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about the MCU is it gives, it gives the non-comic book geeky person an inroads into something, but this took it a, f- a step further like black Panther did in making it about people of color. And in this case, Asian Pacific Islander, it was very much giving us a sense of their viewpoint of the world. I think the second time I saw it, there were a predominant Asian Pacific Islander group in the movie theater with me. And they were laughing at points that I didn't get because I'm not, I'm not from that culture. So it was for, it was definitely for them as much for anyone else, which is mm-hmm. what happened with black Panther. So I think it was a really, really great movie overall. And just the use of effects wasn't too overburdening with effects. Like the last Avengers movie. Um, it also gave us a really good story and plot and yeah, yeah, that's why I'm going to opinion. dovetail off of story and plot. I'm going to give it an N E R. I'm going to be the odd person out on this. Okay. The ultimate ending, uh, the ultimate end rating here is go see it. This is a very good film. This is Agreed. almost yeah. a, almost didn't feel like a Marvel film in many respects. Uh, so you're not going to get necessarily what you expect from a Marvel film. You're going to get some of what you expect from a Marvel film. That, that is for sure. But this is definitely very different. I think the reason I, I'm not a full nerd with this one is because there there is a corner of the Marvel Universe cinematic and comic book that I never really got as much into. And I feel like this somewhat existed in, in it. And it's probably the reason why I never got as much into like the Doctor Strange end of things. Um, I know with like Thor, they talk about how like you think it's magic, but it's just really technology and we're just more advanced than you. But with like Doctor Strange, and I think with this one a little bit, it gets a little bit more magical and fantastical. And I think too much of my Star Trekian brain just like it, it's hard for me to like dive fully into that. It's true because Star Trek does the same thing with magic, even in some of their storylines. Right. They think there's something magical, but then they're like, oh, well, that's not magic. That was right. A- that's not really the devil. You're just an alien mm-hmm. in a ship. Yeah, you're a yeah. plasma stream that broke into this and made right. this thing occur. So, I mean, that critique is actually not so much of an actual critique of the film. It's a personality critique. I think for folks that are that like the sci-fi elements of injecting somebody with a super serum that makes them into a, a super being or or, you know, one of the rich guys that's a mechanic can make a suit like that sci-fi element of things and the ramifications and that kind of storyline. It's uh, like that, I think, spoke to me a little bit more. Whereas this one, I think it does. It does go into some of the magical elements that. I am not as familiar with Marvel, and I think that's also one of the reasons why this film sparks even more curiosity than than Doctor Strange did. Um, Doctor Strange, I, I I didn't like that film as much as this one. Doctor Strange for me mostly got cool points because I thought the visuals of it, you know, were very Inception and all that kind of stuff. I thought it was pretty cool. But so anyway, that's mostly just a personality thing. Well, and, I just wanted to interject because. Yes, there's a lot of really awesome martial arts scenes. I really appreciated mm. them, like spending so much time just chore- choreographing it. Um, it does tap into a genre called wuxia, and I'm just really excited about this because it goes back 
really far in Asia, this whole fantastical martial arts where people are kind of flying through the air. And actually, growing up as a kid, my family and I, we would watch these Thai dub Chinese like wuxia drama, which I got super into. I was the kid at midnight when my parents were asleep, sneaking the tapes into the VCR and like watching like these heroes just flying through in the air and like these old like costumes and just fighting. And so that just felt so nostalgic and sentimental yeah. to me watching their fight scenes, just that whole genre. So Th- that's, that's a really good point to point out too. Cause uh, when you say that this is, this is kind of like that wire work mm-hmm. martial arts that mm-hmm. you see where like folks are like dancing off of rooftops and they're, they don't just kick. They like, swing with the wind and kick you with know the like elements right with exactly nature. Yeah. right um folks i think more agree with you two they've gone full nerd on this i think mm-hmm. last time i looked at rotten tomatoes the reviews were well above 90 percent on audience mm-hmm. and yes. reviewers cool. so as of this weekend so this morning i checked online and from Friday to Sunday, the numbers, depending where you look, is 71.4 to 75.5 million. And so we're estimating that after Monday, we're going to hit 91, 92 million U.S., but globally 140 million. So it is the second highest box office opening um, coming in after Black Widow, which had 80 million um, this was in July, but that's just the U.S. numbers. And did this break a Labor Day weekend? It did. Okay. Nice. Um, let's see. It beat the Labor Day weekend record of thirty point six million. Okay. So we and that's a lot, actually. That, that yes. overshot a Labor Day weekend by what forty thousand or so. Yes. So oh, whoa, double. That's intense. About double. That's intense. Wow. So keep in mind, too, when we talk about domestic numbers versus the world, uh, a lot of the world uh, market that takes in for these films includes the Chinese market. And this film has not opened in China yet, if I'm correct. No. The Chinese government whoa. The Chinese government is much more strict on its yeah. content, and it like vets the actor's... Oh um, yeah, and it vets the the storyline and if it fits or not, and if they don't like it, um, they they I guess it's still in that process right now. If that market does open, I think we're gonna see a few more records being broken, quite a bit. But it has to kind of get through that market right now. Having said that, right here, this point, listeners at home, this is your warning from here on out. It's not safe if you have not seen the film. Too bad. This is where the spoilers are. Um, Let's jump right into uh, the comment that I was intrigued about what Jim said. He was talking about Shang-Chi being the moral center of the Avengers. What were your guys' thoughts on that? I have some thoughts. I think that it was a, it's an interesting heart idea because he didn't say moral center. He said heart. Yes, that's true. Yeah. He said heart. And I think I think he can play that role. But like, he, like Starlin also said... Um, uh, Falcon becoming Captain America can play right. that role as well. But I think the two of them can both be that character in the movies. If Kevin Feige and whoever directs the Avengers movies or the movies that they, they show up in next, they both have that same kind of grasp of reality where it's about, it's about family or it's about friends or it's about people, not 
institutions or organizations. It's about the greater good, I think. And so I think for Changi, it's this idea like just when he's like when he finds out that they came for him and for his even I think even before they say your sister's next, I think is the words they use when they're on the bus. He's more interested in his his concerned about his sister's well-being than his own. Like he's like, I'm going to just go get on a plane like doesn't care about the money, doesn't care about where he's going to stay or how he's going to get there or how he's going to find her. He just is like, I have an address. I know she's next. I don't know if they've gotten to her next. I'm going to go find her and save her because she's important to me. Even though they hadn't seen each other in over 10 years, he he his his idea was she's important to me, not oh my gosh, this organization, I need to go stop them. Like when we see him and Kate in his bedroom or his studio, it's not, oh, what are you going to do to this organization? It's, no, I need to stop them from hurting my sister. And I think that's the same with, like, um, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He was he was after and concerned about the girl who was part of this, the, the Flag Smashers, and her, and who, what she was like, and what was going on with her, and he, saying to even Bucky and to um, John Walker, no, we need to talk to her and find out what's going on with her and, and help her understand us and us us understand her and the same thing with him when he went to see her when he did get to see his sister he was wanted to find out what was going on with her why she's doing the things she's doing and i think that shows he has a heart he's more concerned about the welfare of people so i think both characters can have that that gratis or that momentum in the movies if they decide whatever directors writers and producers decide to do with the characters my mind uh kind of went towards the dynamic between Iron Man and Captain America that they played out through the previous Avengers films. Cause he mentioned now, look at what they're doing with Falcon rolling into Captain America. You know, we can also look at Shang-Chi and how he could incorporate himself into the Avengers when he kind of mentioned those to us thinking, yeah, they could have two people with two different perspectives. Neither one of them never, never really being wrong, but having two different perspectives on what is right what is ethical within that team. Because that was essentially the debates that Captain America and Iron Man would have. I mean, obviously this leads up to, to civil war. What yeah. is the right thing to do right. in this situation? Yeah. Yeah. And they both came at it from very different. They did. Yeah, yeah. different angles yeah. to the point that it you know broke them apart and so yeah. forth. So I'm wondering if, if they could do something like that. But now having seen the film, like that comment, I get it now. It rang so much more true. The entire character of shang chi is entirely ethical and moral and i think that plays out with his parents stories the parents stories are essentially um you know good and bad right and wrong um obviously we can lean into like the mother being like the good influence the good angel on your shoulder but i i was more kind of captivated i think with the father's story the moral of the story there is that it doesn't matter who you are you're not straight evil. You're both good and bad. Maybe you did some bad stuff. Doesn't mean you can't turn a leaf. Like, that was that guy's story. And even though he was misled a little bit, you know, his intentions was, you know, trying to get back to that good place, and he was doing a lot of bad to get there. But I felt that that character was a lot more complex than the usual that person's bad type character, you know? That's yeah, that concrete black right. and white thinking isn't as much there. So... I could kind of see it. I do see this film more of like him trying to come to peace about his past. 
um, and about his family and kind of like his own journey to really find himself, especially towards the end where his aunt is telling him, um, you know, like, don't forget who you are and where you come from and your ancestors. And so him piecing together who he is now, who he was in the past, I, I just felt like it was more of his individual journey coming um, to redemption in a sense. So I would be curious to see where they took his story next, what kind of personal character growth he goes to. Well, it's, it's interesting. We, we, one thing that we're kind of leaving on the floor here is that, am I not remembering this correctly, that we don't really know what he did when he went off on that mission to assassinate he, somebody. Yeah. He shied away from he, giving a direct answer. He got answer. very like, on the edge of telling yeah. us who it was. One thing that kind of fascinated me a bit that it, I felt like Katie was the avatar for all of us. Mm-hmm. The average Agreed. person yeah. being there while these other people could do really cool things and have backstories and 10 rings and all that jazz. But Katie was like, oh, I'm just the normal person who could do some quips. I thought Aquafina was brought in to be kind of like the comic relief. And yes, she was, but that character ended up being a little bit more than that. And I feel like yeah. we don't really know what that character actually is yet. Mm-hmm. And it's it's more yeah. than just some funny quips here and there. Because even at the end, like Wong calls them back and says, hey, we need to talk about this. Oh, you need to come too. Right. I, in my, there's a part of my head going like, like no, no offense, Katie, but like, <laughs> you don't have any rings. Like, yeah. you know, you yeah. can drive a car really cool, I guess. But and you like, can shoot an arrow really and cool. And now you can shoot <laughs> an arrow really cool. After only two days of learning. Exactly. So part of me is all like, okay, there's there's something unsaid there and maybe this is not just like yeah. the best friend well, the or the interesting thing is she's not in the comic books this character does <gasps> really? not exist in the comic books this okay. is this is whole cloth new character just like huh. in Ant-Man all of his like friends that he has that are with him when they go to steal yeah. the stuff and then they end up helping him in the movie both movies none of those characters I think two of those maybe two of those characters are in the movie but with the same as Shang Chi, like she's whole cloth new. The sister also new because really? in the comic books he has multiple siblings. He never meets to like the more modern era huh. in the comic okay. books. And of course, even this his beginning, like the origin roots of his character, were created were connected to a very horrible Asian stereotype made by Americans of Asians called Fu Manchu. Yeah. And so was they eventually also rolled into the Mandarin as well? No, not in the comic books. Okay. They, they changed it crossed. completely. And his, his father has a different name and they, they had it. I think he says it in one of the modern comic books where he t- talks to someone and they say, well, isn't your father this? And he goes, no, that's not my father. That was just a fake name he used for his crime syndicate. So they rolled it in with the Mandarin because they had that plot hole, which they, try to like make they start like going back to the idea of like planting seeds they had this little short that was in one of the dvds of the iron man movie where the mandarin played by ben kingsley was in uh-huh. where he's he's taken from the the jail or the prison he's at by this guy by Shang-Chi's father wait 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 so you're saying they want to like deleted scenes that happens it's not a deleted scene it's a oh. short They've now they of all the Marvel shorts they made for those 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 DVDs or Blu-rays of all those shorts that short is now on Disney Plus and it came out the week before this movie came out. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. I never yeah, saw that. Yeah, that's interesting. That. So yeah. I, I thought felt that the father also talking at the at kind of like the dinner table about like how they they even used 
they even used elements of, of my history and so forth to, to create this fictitious Mandarin, an orange, you know, like I felt that was almost like Marvel writing in like them kind of coming to grips with their own history of the comic books yeah, and putting exactly. this in to kind of explain yeah. like, cause even Mandarin. We're, oh, yeah. we're turning the page now, mm-hmm. but this, this is there. Yeah. Cause even the Mandarin character in and of itself was very like, like horrible. Like he was originally an Iron Man, uh, villain, but he was very much this yellow colored. It was Fu Manchu. It was almost yeah. Fu Manchu, but different characters separately with these rings, which had magical powers. And then, uh, and then, of course, you you know, because they went a different direction, and was going to go with Thanos. They had to like have an uh, like sort of opt out of Mandarin after the third movie, and so they did that. But then, they, like someone said, well, just in case we want to use the character or the idea of the character again, let's do this little short. To show that, oh, maybe there is another Mandarin out there or another person who's hmm. in charge of the Ten Rings because that was very prominent. Every Iron Man movie, every villain had a ring. So those rings were part of those Ten Rings because in the comic books, it's actual rings on your fingers. And yeah. he has to, he's trying, and Mandarin's trying to get all the rings. And when he gets all the rings of power, all Ten Rings, he has he has more power. Have, you think that they've kind of thrown that out of the window now? I mean, that was a very comic book thing, yeah. but now clearly these Ten Rings are something else. There's something else now, but they, they don't go on your hand. It. They go on your arms. Yeah. 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 So they changed the way they work, but I think they needed to, to make it work within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think it's a lot of things like a lot of people who are comic book nerds or comic comic book geeks they sometimes get a little upset with how things are done but the thing is they're trying to not just satisfy the common geek comic book nerd they're trying to get people general public in the world to say oh i really like this i want to get involved in this and has and so it's created a whole nother sub culture group of people who are just mcu nerds right who may understand the comic books or may not and they only know the the movies or the TV shows. And so when they hear about something new, they're a little either fascinated, curious, or confused or upset. So let's let rolls into my, my final point here that I want us to cover. And that was what the future of the MCU is even going to be. This is entirely speculation, hypothesis, theory. How like, this none of this is is true. This is all just speculation. Um, because the way you, you put it there about pulling in different audiences, I think you're right. There are different audiences and I count myself kind of with a foot in both world. My Marvel growing up reading comic books, more X-Men. I didn't really care about the Avengers. I was never there. I was all very much DC and I was very much like X-Men. And that was kind of like, that was my bread and butter right there. So when they bring in characters like this, I need a primer. And I feel like that's what this film was. It was a primer, but at the same time, I think Marvel is planting seeds. And they're planning to grow something new, just like they did starting with Iron Man, leading all the way to Endgame. Oh, yeah. But they're oh, yeah. trying to read. They, 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 they got kind of like two problems now. They, they, they have to kind of bring in all these characters that they never used before and try to make them as successful as they did with these other characters. No. I was one of these people that was like, Iron Man's kind of a hokey, stupid character. I don't really care about him. And then all of a sudden I see this film. I was like, I apparently was wrong. You know, now I feel like they're trying to do that with new characters. And at the same time, try to beat out comic book movie fatigue. Because, you know, there's people out there right now saying I can't do another comic book movie. So there's all that going on. 
Having said that, I think what they're trying to do, the important element out of this film is that whole, this isn't another dimension thing. Okay? We know from the show, Loki uh. and WandaVision, Loki, we're, de- we're dealing with different timelines now, branching off. Oh, and even the show, what if? What if? I mean, that's the next one. There right you now, go. On right now. This one, we're going into different dimensions. Okay? Even going back to the Spider-Verse, this whole idea that there were different, you know, Spider-Men, all these different areas, you know? So the word you're not saying, which is the important word, is they're bringing what's really happening in this phase, more than Mul- the last two, is the word Multiverse. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like they're trying to plant those seeds and through planting those seeds. And yes, I know speculation at some point here. I've been saying it for years. They got to fold the X-Men into all of this. I back back when I was hoping from the first the first Marvel film or the second Marvel film after like they snapped their fingers. I I wanted them to like break something in the universe. Like they did it wrong somehow. Like they couldn't really handle all the infinity stones properly. (laughs) And at the very, like one of the end scenes that they would do, like after they snapped their fingers and everybody was brought back all of a sudden over, over like a mound of dirt in the battlefield with smoke everywhere and some bodies laying around, you all of a sudden just see this hand come out of a crater and three claws come out of it. Yes! <laughs> That's awesome. And somehow they broke they broke reality and now the X-Men's reality merged with our own or something. Obviously, I never got that. I thought that would have been a cool way to do it. Yeah. However, I feel like those are the seeds that are being planted oh, and somehow yeah. they're, they're trying to find their way to the X-Men because <laughs> they know... That is, I think that is the money maker that's going to help them overcome comic book movie fatigue. That's yeah. a good point. I think that's that a good be, ins- yeah. ins- speculation. Okay, I've said my piece. Nina, do you have any thoughts about where this could be going? There, there are no rules here. You can just guess. You can think they're bringing Garfield into this somehow. Gosh, I don't. I'm not <laughs> as creative or talented. Why is that lasagna to... on that table and a cat's eating it? Exactly. Oh gosh. <laughs> What would make you happy as a as a film I viewer? I just want to see more Shang Chi. <laughs> okay, but it's it's funny because you talk about the comic uh, or Marvel movies, all the superhero movies fatigue, and I don't know if I ever had that. I want to see them all together. Like I want to yeah, see this new team come mm-hmm. together and like what dark evil is coming. Like how yeah. can you go like even badder or more evil than Thanos and like what he did like. And I have no comic background, so I hear names We're, swirling. Well, but no, I'm I don't also know in uncharted means. territory too. We have the big bad that was hinted at at the mm. end of Loki. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That that Mr. Kang. Yeah, but he was all, you know, I'm not the bad one. Like I'm if you break open one. these timelines, the wor- <laughs> the one, the really bad one's gonna come it's along. It's almost like he's talking about his siblings, like. <laughs> I'm not the worst sibling. There's worse ones than me. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm the middle child. You haven't seen my older brother and my younger brother. And then my sister, oh no. We have whatever's going on in the background of the Eternals. Yeah. Which everybody freaked, and I was one of them saying like, oh, Galactus. And everybody's like, that's not Galactus. Galactus. Um, and then, of course, you also have Galactus. At some point, you know they're going to want to bring Silver Surfer in here somehow oh, and Fantastic Four. That's another horrible <laughs> right. movie franchise. The uh, But they're going to want to bring them in somehow. So, Well, I am curious how they're going to tie in the shows from Disney+. Yeah. Plus. Like, are they going to... Yeah. Like, are you affected watching it? Like, is there a payoff watching these shows on Disney Plus or are they like kind of standalone series that aren't going to affect 
the next few movies. I think like all the rest of the Marvel universe, you could watch each of these films alone and be satisfied with just them. Mm-hmm. Aside from maybe the adventure ones, which is kind of like tying things together. But, uh, I feel like you will have a larger understanding if you watch everything. And clearly, something's going on with WandaVision. Something's going on with Loki. You know, some something's going on with all these things. Not so much, I guess, they didn't really dress so much of that with, like, Winter Soldier and uh, the Falcon slash Captain America. And so... Well, they did. You just didn't see it. It was a little more subtle, I think. The multiverse mm-hmm. thing? Yeah, they didn't bring the multiverse thing into it. It right. was more just the um events going on the ground level in yeah exactly or on earth whereas whereas loki was and wandavision were more the metaphysical and Mm -hmm. bigger like super monster stuff i think something is going on in those shows that we're not fully understanding yet that is kind of hinting at what's going on in the background of multiverse multi-timelines variants all that stuff going on like something is going on there that they're going to tie together in the movies but i feel like maybe these shows are a really good way to create the buffer of time i think they are for them to put together those films i think they are and they've said in some articles i've read that kevin and a few of the other producers and directors have said you can go into the movies that are coming out without having watched these tv shows it's okay you yep. don't have to force yourself or others to watch the TV shows, but the TV shows are great. Like you just said, it's sort of like a bookend. I feel like yeah. if you look at it, it's like a bookend between the movies, whereas they, you have the shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and um, Inhumans and um, The Defenders and Jessica Goodwin, all those shows on Netflix too. Mm-hmm. They were almost, they were, they were independent. They were very independent. They were independent producers, independent directors, independent cr- creators who started off connected with the MCU, but because of other things going on in the background, which I don't know fully about, which no one will know for years, were separated. And now they're like, okay, Kevin's like, okay, we're doing our own TV shows that are connected to the phases of the MCU, but you don't have to watch them if you don't want to. It won't affect your ability. You won't watch the movies and go, well, who's that character? I've never seen them before. They'll still give you some idea of who they are without you being confused like why is the vision white or why is there multiple loki's or because they're talking about the multiverse now the uh the biggest shame and all that what you just said of course is being losing luke cage in my opinion to netflix oh yeah oh yeah totally the perfect actor the perfect production of that character i just feel a huge loss wanting that guy to be in the movies at some point even even in the comic books it was it almost felt sometimes like they were pigeonholing him into the avengers yeah putting him in there only because oh he's super strong we need a super strong character because we don't have captain america right now so we'll use luke cage and so i think to put him into the mcu it would be the same thing like him and daredevil and all those people because they're as someone has said a while back when they first came out with those shows these are ground level characters in just new york they're the microcosm of heroes in the macrocosm of the MCU. Like if you look at WandaVision, you have Monica Rambeau, you have um, the FBI agent um, Cho. These characters are there, but Cho is like a ground level character. And Mm -hmm. if you notice, if you actually read up on it, he and Chang-Chi are connected to each other through something called Agents of Atlas, which I love. Nina, if you want to borrow some of this it is phenomenal work on Asian Pacific Islander characters and bringing them into the Marvel Universe in a better way. Interesting. And um, he's related to that. So I was hoping 
that Cho would show up in the movie. Yeah. And he didn't. I was that was the thing going in the movie. He's like, okay, Cho has to show up because they're connected. And it, <laughs> like I was expecting at some point, like Cho showing up with the FBI or the CIA oh or something gosh. and being like, Hi, I'm Cho. Who are you guys? And they'd be like, Oh, <laughs> this is perfect. But instead they went with Wong and Hulk and Captain Marvel. And then mm. you also have that that ending with the, the Ten Rings, that the Ten Rings are coming back. So does that mean the Ten Rings are coming back in the TV shows? Or are they coming or, back in the movie? Mm-hmm. I feel like Ten Rings mm-hmm. is going to mm-hmm. be a, a show because I feel like that's the perfect thing to lay more groundwork again. Oh, yeah. I could so, see it in the Hawkeye TV show for so, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in, so interestingly enough, um, you bring up that, again, one of these end scenes, uh, end credit scenes. I just want to cover one more thing, but you still haven't given us your great theory or hypothesis oh. next. At that end scene, I, I feel like we should note, one, we see Captain Marvel I feel like that is their their timestamp. Everybody's pointing to her haircut whenever I like read up about stuff. And I feel like that is that's the timeline. Before she had shorter hair, mm-hmm. now she has longer hair. So we're looking at least a couple years out from Endgame yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. And we see Bruce Banner, not the Hulk. Doctor Hulk, yeah, as he's not Doctor yeah. Hulk. We see Bruce Banner. He's back to being human, and his broken his arm. arm. Yeah, exactly. Well, his broken arm, but then on his wrist, he has something green glowing. Oh my right. gosh, I need to watch this second film again. Movie. Second movie I saw it. Second time I saw it. <laughs> so clearly something's going on there because the Avengers, are, are, most of them are kind of out for the count. I mean, for, mm. for the oh, most yeah. part. Most of them are gone either because the actors don't want to do the, sh- the characters anymore or they or haven't dead. brought them in. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah. I mean, I feel like the, the Avengers that we're going to see moving forward is going to be mostly a new lineup. We're not going yes, to see. Sure. I mean, you're probably going to get your Spider-Man um, and and some other folks in there. But, I mean, clearly, obviously, no Captain America, no Iron Man. Well, no, there is Captain America. Well, okay, no Steve Rogers, no Iron Man. But it's going to be a new formation. There is a new formation. My speculation, which a lot of people speculate, is they're bringing in the Young Avengers. You've just had... Cassie, They're bringing in what? The Young Avengers. Okay. So you've had Cassie in the Ant-Man movies, who she becomes, um, I've forgotten her name off the top of my her superhero name, but she's a character in the Young Avengers. You, you've had um, both the twins, WandaVision's twins, oh, they're yeah. Young Avengers. You have a movie called, come, a TV show coming, coming out called Hawkeye, and Kate Bishop has already been confirmed very much so that she's in it. She's a Young Avenger. Ms. Marvel isn't a Young Avenger, but for the MCO, she could be in the Young Avengers. Um, so you are setting up the Young Avengers as the next Avengers team. Do you think that's the next Avengers team or you think that's an, an, a show that they're going to do? I think it's going to either be a show or, or the next Avengers team. But there's also speculation that I've seen that they're probably creating the Thunderbolts or the Dark Avengers because you have Walker. You have. Oh, they're uh, definitely doing that. Yeah. So there's those things that are there. And it, it comes down to like you just said. Are they going to create more TV shows with these these characters, or are they they setting up to be in the MCU as major players in the MCU movies? So there's so much speculation mm. out there. I just want to see where they're going. I'm yeah. just excited to see where they're going. And yes, of course, I would love, love, love for them to do bring in the X Men, but I just want them <laughs> to give them some space, <laughs> breathe. Because just like the Avengers and Iron Man and all the, and Thor and all the other characters we've seen lately, even though they weren't when we first like were making the cinematic universe ten over ten years ago, there wasn't 
people weren't seeing was popular at the moment. And so no one knew their backstories, but there was so much backstory and stuff to pull from that it was really hard to see where they were going, what they were doing. So to pull again, the X-Men in, a lot of people are speculating, oh, well, well, they did this before. So they keep looking at what they did already. And it's like, we can't. Like, if they're going to bring the X-Men in, it's going to be wholly different and wholly new. Mm -hmm. And it may come early or they might set it up for later. We won't know. I mean, the Eternals is a good place to see where they could add it in. But it's still so early. I don't think it's going to be any time in the next. I'm going to be honest. I don't think we're going to see them in the next five years. I think it's really going to be a lot longer because they want to wait for a certain amount of people to be. Yeah, younger people to be older and not remember Hugh Jackman, not remember Fabian yeah. Johnson, not remember Picard or Patrick Stewart. They they don't they want them to forget them, and then be able to bring new people in and have it be wholly new. And it's too soon because everyone still remembers. So it's <laughs> it's that no. memory issue thing. I think we have to wait. So patiently, <laughs> we are going to move over to waiting and probably close this out. Before I thank everybody, I just want to uh, give a rest in peace to Michael K. Williams, um, actor who yeah. apparently, uh, shortly before we recorded this, was discovered as he passed away. Um, you may know him from The Wire, Omar. If you want to see a really good show that's not The Wire, Hap and Leonard. Go watch Hap and Leonard. It's a show he was in. Not a lot of people saw it, but it was sure pretty darn good. Netflix. It was damn good. I'm going to say damn good as, as how good it was. Sorry, kids. Um, thank you, Joel and Nina, for thank you for I live here. Yeah, for being here. <laughs> and Nina letting me force her to, to be on mic because I like having you on mic. Um, Joel, the geek, do you want to give folks your info so sure. that they can find uh, you? They can just Google Joel the geek on Instagram or on uh, YouTube or on TikTok. Those are the three main places I'm TikTok. found. Um, I mainly make a lot of content on YouTube, like um, unboxing videos and um, cosplay videos. I do interviews of cosplayers. I do um, compilation videos of cosplayers in their stuff. And I do some interviews sometimes of creators. And so that's where I'm at mainly. Yeah. And of course, you can follow Northwest Nerd on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Sharky, Ram Stones, charcuterie boards. There you go. Yeah, I just like making up stuff. Yeah, you can find us where you like listening to your favorite podcast. Northwest Nerds theme music is by the Hoot Hoots. And since you are listening to this, obviously Northwest Nerd is back from its hiatus. We are back producing mm-hmm. more episodes now. Uh, next episode coming out in two weeks. Looking forward to seeing you then. Until then. This is Dyer Oxley with Northwest Nerd.